You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Tuesday, October the 27th. The show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm really excited about today's show. You guys have a conversation coming up with Mark Saxon of The Athletic. He and I sat down yesterday to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals 2020 season, how the offseason might look. Talked about the wonderful Randy Orozarena and talked about the World Series and just a couple other things that I will not talk too much about right now and I will get the conversation. If you haven't listened to the crossover episode yet of a little bit of the NL Central with Jeff, Sean, and I, part one of that conversation was yesterday. Part two of that conversation will be coming out tomorrow, so be sure to tune in to that. Uh, maybe, you know, if you want to go on a long run, maybe you, 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 you queue up these three episodes tomorrow or you queue up the, these two episodes today and then you listen to the one tomorrow. Who knows? Um, just hoping that you listen to all three because they're all three really good conversations with some really good guests. So, without further ado, here is the conversation between Mark Saxon and I of The Athletic. Please enjoy and be sure to follow myself on Twitter, LJ Fastball. Follow him on Twitter, Mark A. Saxon. And be sure to subscribe and write the show on iTunes. Here's Mark Saxon and I, Mark Saxon of The Athletic. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Locked On Cardinals. I'm joined by Mark Saxon of The Athletic. He covers the Cardinals. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucas. How are you doing? Uh, a little rainy, a little, little gray out, but uh, yeah. I guess we can always talk a little baseball, right? The World Series is still going on, so what the heck? Yes, it is. Baseball makes any day a better day, in my opinion. Um, just like Roger Hornsby used to say, wait, waiting for spring to roll around, waiting for, for Cardinal baseball to come back. So um, you mentioned the World Series. Well, we'll go ahead and start with the World Series. What have your thoughts been of the first five games as, as of this recording Monday morning, uh, Dodgers up three to two? What are your kind of initial, you know, knee-jerk reaction thoughts on it? Well, as someone who used to cover the Dodgers, the thing for me that's kind of interesting is this, you know, Clayton Kershaw narrative of, you know, his, his success in the postseason. Because when you were kind of around that, you realized, like, a lot of the circumstances were sort of being obscured. Um, some of those starts, if you go back, even some of the rough ones against the Cardinals, right? And he had, you know, two straight years of that against the Cardinals, the Matt Adams home run, the, the game in St. Louis where he gave up, I think, six or seven runs, you know, in one of the, um, the Matt Carpenter at bat. Yeah. A lot of those, if you go back and look, were on three days rest. And I don't think the Dodgers really did him a lot of favors setting him up in that way, something mm-hmm. he hadn't done you know, all, all regular season in many cases, and then it being asked to do that. But now to see his sort of talent shine through, I think I'm kind of happy for him. And I just thought it was kind of a bogus narrative all along. 
Yeah, I think when you look at Kershaw, that's like the one thing that people kind of point to because um, the regular season success is there, all the records he's broken. He's won an MVP, I think, as a pitcher, which is, which is unheard of. So yeah. I think that the World Series or the postseason narrative was kind of the one thing that guys point to, which is unfortunate that, you know, that we point to the negative when he's been so dominant and so powerful um, in so many other parts of his career. Um, what, what was your reaction to the wild finish of game four with Arena tripping and falling and the, the, uh, the multitude of layers of that play? Well, it's like one of the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, I, I have kids who play and, you know, if you're the pitcher, always back up home play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, you could see Kenley Jansen kind of feeling sorry for himself and mm-hmm. kneeling out there on the mound. But that was the first thing. And then um, just that's the postseason. It's so fun because you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's one of those deals, man, like putting the ball in play is so valuable in yeah. those games. You know, you, you think about it, but that's all that guy really did. You know, he came up with that hit and then the rest of it just sort of took care of itself. Yeah, put the ball in play, good things happen for sure. I mean, that's something we, we learned from, from little kids, you know, like you said. And that game just before that, I think there was like six or seven half innings of runs being scored in a row. That was history of itself. So just a, a wild game. And while we're on the World Series, I feel like one of the things every, every Cardinal fan is talking about as we kind of shift gears into that is Randy Arozarena and the missed trade that this was and how the Cardinals missed out on this. Uh, you had an article in the Athletic Cup weeks ago talking about that trade uh, or somebody did that you, that you shared, I believe. Um, what are your, your, your thoughts? And, and did the Cardinals actually lose this trade? Is it too early to tell? What, what are your thoughts on that? It is probably too early to tell because, like, you know, when they make those trades, especially with really young players, you're looking at, you know, the, the next six or seven years. You're really not evaluating it based on five weeks. But, I mean, this is in a different category. <laughs> yeah. He has literally – you're talking about a raised team with incredible pitching, incredible pitching depth. Mm-hmm. not incredible offensive depth. So what he's done is essentially to carry them to this point. I mean, if you look at what he's done, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It started in the regular season too. And so I guess now, you know, we're getting to the point, it's been long enough now where you wonder if they did lose the trade mm-hmm. um, just because of, you know, what he's done to, to alter a franchise really. Um but on the other hand, I think you have to take yourself back to the moment in time when they did make that trade. And if you look at his skill set, it is somewhat similar to Tyler O'Neill's, you know, um, maybe Harrison Bader to some extent. You know, a really athletic guy who was a little bit raw. They had him ranked below those guys. And, you know, I think the thing to understand is, yes, he was coming off a great season at AAA that year. But Tyler O'Neill had been great at AAA as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Dylan Carlson obviously was great last year. They knew he was kind of coming. Um, so I do think you have to go back in time to the point where they made the trade and not just see it from this lens. You know, Pete, you know, if players were so easy to peg based on scouting and numerical analyses and things, then, you know, Jeff Bagwell would have never been traded. And yeah. Randy Johnson would have never been traded from Montreal. So you can always go back and do this, but it doesn't look good at the moment. Um, and I think where a lot of Cardinals fans are just so frustrated right now is there are other examples of that, right? Like Luke Voigt, you know, leading the major leagues in home runs this season. Now, granted, you know, is Paul Goldschmidt a Cardinal? If they hold on to Luke Voigt, we don't know. So, 
overall, I'd say, you know, I, I, I do think it's worth looking into the way they evaluate bats and questioning whether there's some kind of, um, you know, formula that they're missing out on and they're missing something with these guys. But in terms of like just knee jerk uh, saying that, you know, they're, they're not good at evaluating talent, I think that's a little bit too sweeping at this point. More coming up from Mark and I in just a moment, but I want to tell you about today's sponsor. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts, tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose from the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably below, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on there, how did you hear about us box, so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I don't really think it's too harsh, especially when you look at this trade and who they got back. Matthew Libertor hasn't even pitched a game for the Cardinals yet, so it's really hard to judge this trade. Um, so when you look at it from that angle, it's kind of a two-parter here. Does Randy Rosarena's immediate success and the immediate backlash of this trade, does that rush Matthew Libertor to the major leagues as the Cardinals trying to overcompensate and get him to the, to the top level quicker? And does that kind of change the offseason plan in terms of, the Cardinals going to hold on to their prospects a little more because they've seen what their prospects can do outside of the Cardinal system. Yeah, I think that, I think the question is sort of, you know, the front office feeling the heat mm -hmm. of, you know, Cardinal nation, would they rush Libertor to prove that they didn't lose that deal? I don't think so. I, I think that you might see that in a front office that was maybe on the verge of being fired or something. It was desperate to sort of cling to its, you know, hold on power. I, I think, you know, John Mosaic's been a lot, around a long time. Oh. Mike Gersh at this point has. And, you know, Mo's signed through 2023, just got a contract extension. I, I don't think that would be the case. That would be a, you know, very bad management decision. I think Matthew Libertor will be up when he's ready. Now, having said that, Mo, toward the end of the regular season, did mention that, you know, they their internal analyses had Libertor with a fantastic summer camp. Now, oh. None of us can independently verify that. We weren't allowed to go. We weren't even really having Zoom calls with those guys. So okay. we don't really know, but that's what he said. And he said that he's in the mix potentially for next year. And if okay. that's the case, you know, that's an exciting notion when you think about, you know, pairing him with, with a Jack Flaherty and a Miles Michaelis if he comes back healthy and mm -hmm. who knows Carlos Martinez and, and Austin Gomber, they do have some good young pitching still. And so he fits into that part of it. And that, that is certainly something to be excited about. 
Yeah, I think, I think 2020 was the year of the pitcher for St. Louis. You know, I think the, the, the offense, we, we talk about it all the time, uh, of just how sh- much they struggled throughout the season um, and, and just how strong the pitching depth was. They might not have, like, the, the big-name guys, you know, not, they right. might not have, like, a Bueller or, or a Kershaw at the top of the rotation. But right. they're, they're solid for, from their starter to their closer, I think. Um, and you had a really interesting article in the, in the Athletic a couple of days ago about the, the, the payroll and how you said the, 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 hot, the hot stove season might not be so hot for St. Louis. Uh, why don't you give our listeners a little overview of that and why you think that the big free agent signing might not be coming, even though the Cardinal Nation might want it? Well, we don't have all the information at this point because they haven't really addressed, you know, what, what the impact of – you know, they're certainly giving off signs that they took a big revenue hit, right? I mean, right. I've heard numbers like $150 million loss. And again, we can't dig into their books. We don't know, you know, what kind of uh, reserves they had in cash and right. what their profits looked like in previous seasons, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly, you know, the franchise is appreciating. But if that's the case, this is a, fr- you know, this is an organization, a business that has not shown a real predisposition to, you know, carrying losses, I wouldn't say. Um, And the fact of the matter is there's nine players coming back next year on guaranteed contracts, totaling a hundred million dollars in payroll right off the bat. And assuming they have a 26 man payroll next year, that's 17 other guys you're going to need to fill out your roster and somewhere to fit that in the $50 million range. Jack Flaherty's going to get a big raise because he's going into arbitration. Um, John Gant will get a raise. Other guys are entering arbitration. So there's some built-in raises in there. Right. You know, the way I looked at it, they're pretty much at $140 million without re-signing Yachty and without re-signing Adam Wainwright. So if they accomplish those two things, they'd be at last year's payroll threshold, essentially right, right, right off the bat returning next year's team with no improvement. Sure. So that tells me, and, and then there's, you know, Lucas, we could find out that ownership tells Mo he's got to cut the payroll appreciably. We've already heard that with some teams. The Reds, I think, are going to be doing that. The Cubs will do that. The Brewers might do that. So I think that's quite possible. The Cardinals will do that. We'll find out more when they finally address it, I think. But if they do that, they won't be alone. And no. you essentially could be, see a pretty bereft NL Central next year, if that's the case. Yeah. And the Cardinals easily could be the best team in this division. I think people need to keep that in mind. It's all in context with what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I agree. I just, I actually just finished recording an episode with a couple of other Locked On Central guys, and they, they talked about how if the season would have gone two more weeks, there's a chance that the, the Cubs fall to three and the Cardinals could have gone up to one. So I mean, it was all right. about, about timing for that. And I think that, you know, Cardinal Nation likes to focus so much on the negatives of the offense that they don't realize that this was a second place team in, sure. uh, in a stacked division that had four playoff teams. Uh, right. And understand, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays were barely above average offensively all season. And yeah you know, one guy gets hot, you know, at the end of the year, that can carry a long way. So had that happened for the Cardinals, had, let's just say, Paul DeYoung or Paul Goldschmidt or somebody else gotten ridiculously hot, who knows what would have happened. It could have been quite different. Absolutely. You know, one, one guy can, can change the complexion of an offense, you know, especially when you have a guy like, like Goldschmidt. I feel like it's been a struggle in recent years to find somebody to protect him. You know, he had Mar- yeah. Marcelo Zuna, but he would struggle in different stretches. And when you, when you only have one guy that, that can beat you consistently, it's easier to, to pitch around him and maneuver through a lineup. But, but you mentioned Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright about what they might come back. There have been reports that Molina wants a two-year contract. Um, 
for me, with Andrew Kisner waiting in the wings uh, as the, the next Cardinal catcher, in my assumption, I just two years. I you know the fan of me wants to see Molina back, obviously. Right. Um, but you know, with the the, mon- the money situation you just mentioned, what's the real the realistic idea of getting both Molina and Wainwright back, assuming they both want to play? Yeah, I think it's quite realistic, you know, happening. And again, we have to see what Adam Wainwright's, you know desires are at this point um you know the fact that he said he felt great i think is a good a good sign for him um because a few years ago he wasn't feeling good and his elbow was barking and it was just such a grind for him you know i think last year was probably not the funnest year to play major league baseball no um and so we'll see if there's any residue of that for wayno and if i think you know looking at what the pandemic's doing is a big part of this. And I think if I were him and I, I thought, look, there was going to be a disruption in spring training, the season might not start on time. I think that would go into it. So I don't know when Adam Wainwright's going to decide if he's going to pitch. Um, but if he does, I would expect him to say, stay in St. Louis. I just think he's too big an asset for that pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're talking about the leader of the staff and obviously Yadier Molina, you know, the risk there of letting him go in terms of what, you know, what happens to your pitching at that point, what happens to your overall sort of just the cohesiveness of, of the team is a big question. But on the other hand, you could make an argument, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to have this sort of sea change, you know, that after next season, a couple big contracts come off the book. We know that, you know, at, most likely Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter will be gone freeing up, you know, 35, 36 million dollars in payroll, which they can, you know, allocate elsewhere. If the team wants to jumpstart this sort of change of direction, you know, they might want to think about maybe not overextending to, to bring those guys back. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, I, from what I've heard from Yadier Molina's camp, he's not quite as staunch as in terms of salary demands, as you would think. I don't think he expects to make $20 million again. I don't think he's insistent on a two-year deal. I think he'd be realistic if there were maybe a one-year deal plus a mutual option for 2022. I think, I think he would accept that. So I I really think unless, you know, you know, unless people are dug in more than we think at this point, I would expect both guys to be back. Well, that's encouraging too, especially with Molina. You know, I feel like he sometimes says some some heated comments and everything. So it's good to hear that, that, you know, your your assessment is that he's kind of lenient on that expectation. What kind of tipped me off to Wainwright is the language he used. It was an interview post game or something after Molina had a big game of said, he said, I hope they bring him back. It wasn't us. And then he had such a good time in the broadcast booth. I thought he did an excellent job in the Miami Atlanta series. So I would be, I would not be shocked if Wainwright called it quits just based on the language he used and how much he had fun in the broadcast booth. I don't know uh, what your yeah. thoughts are on that. I think Adam Wainwright has a lot of things he wants to do in life. He's not yeah. one of these guys <laughs> who you know, is going to go home and sit around and realize, run out of things to watch on Netflix and then his wife <laughs> kicks him out of the house and he goes and coaches or something after a year. Mm-hmm. I think he could do a lot of things. Um, yeah. You know, He's got that charisma. We all know anyone who's been around him has seen that certainly broadcasting would be just a no-brainer. He'd be oh, yeah. just absolutely dominant at it. Um, but at the, at the same token, you know, you, you, you hear him after each of his starts, and he just loves that competition. And I've mm-hmm. talked to guys who maybe felt they retired prematurely, and they just kicked themselves the rest of their lives, you know, because they missed that competition. There's nothing like it, that one-on-one 
pitcher versus hitter dynamic. And he's been so good for so long. I, I would think he's the kind of guy who'd make them peel the uniform off of him. But, <laughs> you know, I guess it's possible he's not. I don't really, you know, I, I can't see into his heart of hearts, but I would mm-hmm. think he'd want to com- keep competing. And, and he certainly loves it here in St. Louis. Yeah, I know that the Cardinal fans would love to keep him for another year. Um, but one more player that I do want to talk about that kind of that might affect the, the salary is Colton Wong. Yeah, I think is it a mutual? It's a team option, right, for him? Team yeah. option, right? Twelve point five million. If they decline it, they cost him one million. So it's really an eleven and a half million dollar decision. Right. So, so if they keep him, that that hurts their payroll even more. You know, uh, and if, is is there a chance? I've been talking to some people. Um, just the idea of. of executing that option of keeping of you know uh, of keeping him on on the team but then using him as, as a trade piece do you th- I don't really know if the Cardinals are that kind of organization to to use a a, a player as a pawn like that if you will they, they seem to to really grasp onto the, to the the person more uh, than other right. teams what, what are your thoughts on if they're if they're going to keep Wong if they let him walk or what what that situation is with Colton you know, I think like if you were to really like look, is is Colton Wong worth the twelve and a half million? You'd say, yeah, probably so. You know, I mean, um, particularly if you buy the new age defensive metrics, and there are those oh, people yeah. who don't. There are a lot of people who think WAR overinflates defense. Um, but you know, if you believe in those metrics and you believe that WAR is accurate, you know that that formula would tell you he's worth the twelve and a half million. But here's why I think there's a chance he walks. One is if there is pressure to lower the payroll, that's an easy way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You could just simply slide Tommy Edmond, who small sample size, but second base was probably his best position. Above average, you know, defensive metric to second base. Again, small sample size. But, you know, pot- you know potentially a better bat. You know, you, yeah. Tommy Edmond has more power than Colton Wong. So you could justify that. Um, And then you could also argue that it makes sense on the standpoint of the one thing they really lacked offensively was slugging. And Colton Wong's not a zero in power. We saw that in the postseason with that home run. He can hit a home run occasionally, but he's really not a power guy. If they feel that the imperative absolutely is to improve the slugging, that would be an area, again, where you could get, you know, some upside. But it's a dangerous risk. You know, the identity of this team is pitching and defense. I think the identity really of the team is defense overall, pitching being a part of that. And so if you're going to let your best, you know, I think he's going to win another gold glove. If you let that guy walk, how much of an impact does it have on your overall team defense? And that's something to look at. But I do think there is a chance they let him walk. Yes. Yeah, I I think so too, especially when you look at that salary. And if, if, you know, if you want to go after a big ticket free agent, which, you know, in a perfect role, I think the Cardinals could go after a guy like George Springer to fill a hole in center field, then an extra $12.5 million or like an extra $11.5 million uh, might, might go a long way towards that signing. Whether that happens or not, again, we'll, we'll see how the offseason unfolds. Um, there have been recent reports or, or in, interviews of talking about the DH in the National League and how it, it's going to have to be renegotiated if it is put in. If, if it's taken out, does that affect the Cardinals offseason moves in any way of, of trying to get maybe um, an, an infield bat move, stick Carpenter at the DH position or, or otherwise? Yeah, I think it affects them a lot. I think it affects them. First of all, they have to make a decision about Matt Carpenter, right? I mean, yeah. he's coming off, he's coming off two really, really down seasons, right? I mean, they have to really decide, is this a guy who's going to be part of their core, right? And if, 
there is no designated hitter that that complicates it further because Matt, you know, we've all seen is a probably when he's playing well as an average third baseman defensive mm-hmm. defensively. Tommy Edmonds probably a little bit better. Brad Miller not so much. So, but again, he's a he's a free agent as well. So, it's all part of it, absolutely. And so that's the first question they would have to ask: What is Matt Carpenter if there is no DH? And then the second thing is, I think if you're looking to, you know, fix the slugging problem that they've had for a couple of years now, the DH is a really easy way to do that, right? You're going to have some bargain guys, whether it's a 39, 40-year-old Nelson Cruz or somebody <laughs> else will be out there who can be had for a reasonable price tag, yeah. who's able to hit home runs, Daniel Vogelbach, somebody like that. Right. And so if there is no DH – then that complicates that. You've got to give a guy who's competent to stand there at a position at least, whether it's left mm-hmm. field, whether it's third base. And I just don't see the Cardinals finding that guy with limited resources this offseason. But again, if their DH is an option, you can always find a guy like that. And so I think, I honestly think it would help the Cardinals if the DH is around next season. Yeah, I agree. When you look at Matt Carpenter, I think he's he's an incredible person. I have no problem with him as a person, but he's had some great moments as a Cardinal. We, we talked about his moments against Kershaw at the beginning of the show. I just think his time playing with the birds on the bat is done. I really think it is. We've heard for two or three years now that he's going to be this, this new guy that goes the other way and does all these things, and he just hasn't really shown that to be consistent, in my in my humble opinion. Um so I just think Carpenter's time in St. Louis is, is it should come to an end, whether that's this offseason or next will, will remain to be seen. But uh, Mark, I appreciate you coming on the show. Why don't you, you tell my listeners a little bit how they can find you, how they, how they can read your information on The Athletic. You do some great stuff. Oh, thank you, Lucas. I appreciate that. Yeah, the easiest way is to just sign up for a subscription at The Athletic. Um, yeah. If you're not re- you know, ready to do that, maybe just follow me on Twitter. Um, but again, like the cool thing about the athletic is, you know, I'm I'm like a, a pawn in the in the grand scheme of things. We have so many great baseball writers and mm-hmm. top sports writers and just coverage across every league. Um, you know, you get some really interesting stuff too, and you get exclusive reporting from guys like Ken Rosenthal and Mark Craig and Andy McCullough. So I I just really believe in the product. And, you know, when it comes to Cardinals reporting, I I just try to take a little bit different tone than maybe some of the other local writers just to try to um, provide a little different coverage that people might enjoy that um, a little different voice maybe a tackling different topics so you know I I feel really good about the direction we're going and hopefully people get on board and enjoy it Um, and I'm always looking for ways to publicize it so thank you for asking that question Lucas and I enjoyed this uh, podcast with you. Of course, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, anytime I can, I can share share your work, I, I try to do my best. And two, like, quick hit questions for you, sort of quick. Yeah. Game, game six, we'll release this episode on Tuesday. So game six is tonight. What's your reaction? Quick hit, who wins game six? I think the Dodgers are just ready. They're going to put yeah. it away. They, they smell it at this point. I, I look for them to score some runs tonight. Or, sorry, Tuesday night and put this one away. <laughs> I just think they're right there. And my 13-year-old who – lived his first nine years in LA as a huge Dodgers fan. So I'm just saying that one for Oliver. <laughs> well, for Oliver and for Clayton Kershaw, I hope that they do the same thing. Cause I think it's time for Kershaw to, to, to get a ring question two quick hit one guy that the Cardinals can realistically go after this off season. Who is it in your mind? Boy, you know, if you saw last night's game, Jack Peterson at that big home run, I think one thing That's to think thinking. about, he's a free agent. What if you paired him with, a good right-handed hitter, a Tyler O'Neill, who would then 
what if you create out of two players, one player, right? Yeah. And if you have the DH, the other guy can DH on a, from time to time too. So I would look at that. A platoon-type power bat might be a way to go for the Cardinals without breaking the bank. I completely agree. I think Jock Peterson is just the type of guy the Cardinals need. So, so we got we got Dodgers and Jock Peterson tonight. So I appreciate your time, Mark. Um, thank, thanks for coming on and have a great rest of your day. Okay, Lucas. Take care of yourself, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks. We'll